Welcome everybody to the latest episode of What's Your Theory? Metric Theory's internal podcast. Today we have uh, a really great panel of uh, colleagues joining us, um, starting with Annabelle Hoagley. Uh, Annabelle's the senior account manager with us. We also have uh, Katie Yen, a paid social analyst, and Sam Fu, uh, an e-commerce account manager. So. Thank you all for joining me on this episode. Um, and yeah, I, I guess to jump right in um, to the topic at hand, um, there's been a, a widely reported recent rise in hate crimes against uh, Asian Americans. And because of that, more attention is being brought to the violence that they're experiencing every day. Um, and, you know, Asians around the world, not just in, in America. A lot of Asians are also experiencing, you know, racism day to day and discrimination in the form of microaggressions, um, small comments. And so we wanted to start there with this group uh, to understand a little bit more about their thoughts, feelings, and experiences on microaggressions on Asian stereotypes. Um, so uh, first question to the group, have you experienced comments um, like those that are microaggressions or involve stereotypes? Um, and how have they affected you personally? Um, Annabelle, do you want to start us off? Yeah, um, I have definitely experienced microaggressive comments just over the course of my life. Um, and it can be anything from people making jokes either about you or in front of you. Um, it could be as simple as kind of stereotypes that go around Asian culture and, and people that appear Asian or, or have that association. Um, and in general, I think the, the, the comments don't come from a place of violence and they don't come from even a negative or derogatory standpoint, but that's actually the effect that they have. Um, in my experience, when I've been, when I've been around people making comments like this, um, you know, maybe something about the height of Asian people or, um, their ability to drive or, or kind of the food that, you know, we as Asian people eat, what ends up happening is that these comments really stick with you and they might be said in passing by other people around you. Um, but they really make you sort of question your identity and your value as a human being. And I think, you know, the more sinister scale to that is that if you're making comments like this directly to a person or directly around um, someone that is part of this culture, then what are you doing, you know, when they're not around or how far are you willing to take it if you're not, if there's no rain taken in on, on, on what you can say around, um, if there's no rain on your microaggressive comments, where is there a line drawn when there's increasing violence towards Asian people? So I think it really plays into some of the crimes that we've been seeing lately. Um, I think it's just an ongoing culture of not understanding boundaries and not understanding um, the total impact of, of your words and actions. Yeah, um, this is Sam, by the way. Kind of going off what Annabelle was saying, like these microaggressive comments and actions have definitely made me feel 
like not an American, even though I was born in America. And I feel like people view me as like a foreigner, um, which kind of does a number to your identity because like, I feel so rooted in like being Asian, but also American. Um, so I guess just like growing up, like I've bore witness to like kids saying ching chong or like imitating slanting eyes, saying konnichiwa. Um, and I've also been to a recipient of comments like, oh, you're good at school because you're Asian. And like besides the blatantly racist like actions, it was definitely frustrating to get comments like you're good at school because no, like I'm not good at school because I'm Asian, but because I put the effort. And if anything, I'd feel more pressure to do well in school because of these comments, but also at the same time, like I'd want to like disprove these stereotypes and maybe, and like not do as well in school because of these stereotypes. Um, and like in college, I started getting the question, where are you from? And when I'd say, oh, I was born in New Jersey, they'd ask, no, where are you really from? And like, while it seems like a pretty innocent question to be on the receiving end is a different experience like as I was saying before like while I know myself to be an American to kind of be immediately dismissed and be asked like where I'm really from like makes me feel like a foreigner and like usually these questions is like followed by like a, a person's own anecdotal experiences with the trip to China or questions like about my ethnic culture and it's honestly ironic because most of the time I can't relate or I just like don't know the answer to these questions because I've never been to China I can't speak Chinese beyond like the level of a two-year-old and really the extent of my exposure to like Chinese and Asian culture is very minimal honestly um so I guess like just to sum up my experiences with microaggressions have kind of made me feel like sad uh frustrated uh, misrepresented and honestly like even ashamed at times and like while I see myself as an equal and as Amer as an American not that different except mainly in looks you know I've had so many encounters where people objectify me or saw me as a foreigner and it's really upsetting because like I've seen this happen or um, I've heard experiences like this happen to so many of my friends and that is just so commonplace and almost like natural. Yeah, I really relate to that. I think one of the things that microaggressions really lend themselves to is just making you not feel comfortable in your identity, whatever that is. So whether you fully identify with your Asian culture or partially identify with your American culture or whatever it may be, it really kind of takes away from that and turns you into almost like a stereotype or um, an image that somebody made up um, and it, that's being defined for you. And it, it can be really frustrating in my experience because yeah, exactly like you were saying, Sam, like you wanna disprove what someone said about you, even if it's a good thing. So then you're almost having this turmoil against yourself. Like, where's my value coming from? Is it just because of my culture? Is that all that I am? Or, you know, where's there room for me not to be what I appear to be? Um, is that's kind of like the struggle that I've faced personally too. And it, it feels very um, unreassuring. <laughs> what's, the, what's the word here? Um, it, it feels really bad. It feels really bad to be told that you're not anything but 
this stereotype, even if it's a good one, even if it's something that people think of as a positive stereotype, it, it can be really um, invalidating uh, to your own identity as a, as a human. Yeah, just also going off of that, like even with Asians, I've been told like, oh, you're a banana. And so I'm not being accepted. And um, a banana is like a reference to being yellow on the outside, but white on the inside. And so when I also get comments like that, like I honestly just feel like totally lost, like because I'm not being accepted by my Asian counterparts, but I'm also not being accepted by my American counterparts. Yeah, kind of also piggybacking off of that, I've definitely heard comments about people having yellow fever um, or comments like that where I, it's intended to be a positive thing, I guess, um, if you're disillusioned from um, the impact of your words, but be related to like somebody's attraction to you being related to a disease is not really a, a great place to be. Um, and that's just one example of, of really common comments that I've heard throughout my life. Um, and I'm curious, um, maybe Katie, if you've had similar experiences, but with me, because I'm half Asian, sometimes people either don't realize I'm Asian or don't kind of qualify me as Asian. It's kind of like that banana comment. Um, they almost invalidate my Asian-ness and forget about it. And in front of me will make comments about other quote unquote other Asians, um, but because I'm not like them or because I'm not really appearing that way, which is this incredibly stereotypical view of Asian culture, because they're more comfortable around me and, and recognize my proximity to whiteness, they'll make those comments to me and, and make comments about how bad someone smelled um, and the food they were eating was so stinky and whatever it might've been or how their, their parents can't drive or how their parents um, making comments about how they, their parents are really strict and might as far as beat them for good grades or ridiculous, horrible, stereotypical and racist comments like this. I've definitely been privy to just because of my proximity to whiteness and people's lack of understanding of Asian culture outside of stereotypes. Yeah, I can definitely relate to that, Annabelle. I feel like growing up, I, I grew up in a very white area and because I'm half white, I think that there was definitely a lot of, there were definitely a lot of people who felt like it was okay to make these comments in front of me because I was not completely Asian in their eyes. And, and because, there was nobody else that really looked like me in my elementary school or my middle school. I was kind of left my left by myself having to defend myself against those things. And when you're a little kid, it's like, well, what am I gonna say to defend myself? Especially when it's the first few times that you hear it. And speaking to your, your comments about proximity to whiteness, I feel like at a young age, I had to make that decision of, well, do I want to identify myself as, as half white, half Chinese mixed and, and kind of, you know, accept that about myself? Or is this something that I'm going to, what I ultimately ended up doing, which was really leaning into me being half white and trying to fly under the radar in those situations of like, I don't want to deal with these microaggressions. So what is the best way to try to just 
act like my peers and behave like my peers and, and not educate myself about my Chinese culture in an attempt to just kind of let people make those comments and things like that. And as I got older, you kind of I kind of realized, you know, that probably wasn't my best move, but um, understanding too that like there's always an opportunity to educate myself, even though I am half Asian, like I don't know everything. I certainly don't know everything about every Asian culture out there. Um, that, that might be a good segue. Um, I'm curious to know as a follow-up to having heard these comments, having personally experienced them, are, are you, was there a time at which you decided to actually say something or had, had you experienced anyone who has uh, acted as an ally in situations like that and actually stood up against it? Or by and large, are we still working with a culture that doesn't really reacted to, to, to comments like that or jokes like that, you know, in, in, a, in the way that they should? For me personally, I think growing up, before I graduated from high school, I lived in the same town my whole life. I think that there, I really never had people who would stand up for me or, or be on my side in those situations, because I, I think partially it was that I set up that I was never going to say anything about it. Um, and, and then I think at, towards the end of my high school years, I I might have made one or two, two one or two rude comments back, and to force people to just stop saying things to me. Um, and then going into college, I think in that it combined people from so many different places and so many different life experiences. I definitely was able to make more friends and meet more people who were not okay with those comments and would definitely stand up against them as well as being to, being able to kind of re-identify myself as somebody who wasn't going to be okay with that and definitely wasn't somebody you can make casual comments casually racist comments to um and and just the fact that it was going into co going into college and being in a new environment and a gathering of these new people i think allowed me to do my best to try to create an environment or surround myself with people who we're not okay with those comments, as well as people, as well as educating my friends as I could that this was not okay. And these are the experiences of, of people who are Asian American right now. Any other uh, comments there? Um, yeah, so sadly growing up, like I also never took any action and there was never an instance of anyone standing up for me, which for myself, like it's a big regret that I didn't stand up for myself. And like, even today, I don't really stand up for myself. Um, like actually when coronavirus first started, I actually got a comment related to um, like being Asian and causing like the coronavirus. And like, I didn't say anything. I just pretended like I didn't hear the person. Um, but given the rise in Asian hate, um, when I can, I will try to like educate my friends when they make a comment like, oh, like I had this one friend um, text me recently and she said, whenever I smile, like I look like an Asian even though she's not Asian at all. And so I'm trying to take steps and saying like that is not like okay to say and like the reason why behind it's not okay to say. Yeah, similarly to both of you, I have never once in my entire life growing up um, from elementary school, preschool age till college, all the way through, 
have I ever had anybody stand up against comments like that? Um, if anything, people join in or bring in other stereotypes or try to make other jokes about it. Um, and I think it's really difficult because kind of like you both mentioned, you almost don't realize that there's anything wrong with it because it's so normalized. Like you don't even know when you're younger that these are really rude, if not racist comments to be making towards people. And it just becomes so commonplace um, and just completely ignored by everyone around you. So it's a really strange thing to kind of sit with when, when someone makes a comment like that because you almost don't know how to feel about it um, and especially don't know in the moment. Uh, so it's really hard to react and it's really hard to stand up for yourself because in my experience, it's just invalidated. Just nobody pays attention to it and nobody thinks there's anything wrong with it. And um, I think that makes it really hard for you to speak up for yourself or to make a claim that this is happening. Um, and I, I think that relates also to my experiences as a woman, when you're in a room of men and they're all making comments that are misogynistic, it's almost like invalidated if you try to speak up against that. Um, that's kind of been my experience too, as an Asian woman. Um, there's just no opportunity for you to really get to say your piece. And if you do, you just come across as an angry person. You just come across as somebody dis disrupting the peace or starting a fight or argument or something like that. Um, and it's not that serious and, you know, relax, like that sort of energy when you try to say something. Um, so it's really hard to, to try to step up and speak up for yourself. And so, you know, it sounds like it's been pretty persistent for everyone, you know, who's, who's on the panel. Uh, it sounds like, you know, the, the comments continue, you know, even in, in some shape or form now. Um, and there's not a lot of, of people stepping in and, and being an ally in that situation. Does anyone have words of advice to offer for people who are listening and want to help the next time around? Um, is it as easy as just, you know, uh, standing in saying, hey, it's not a cool or appropriate thing? Are there other ways for people to to handle, um, you know, uh, helping in, in situations where comments are made? For me, it's, it's listen to Asians, listen to people that are going through this. If somebody tells you it's racist or that's not a cool comment to make or that's out of line, anything like that, listen and, and don't try to argue with that person and don't try to tell them that what they're feeling is wrong. Um, it's really sad to me that it's taken until there's been blatant acts of violence against Asians as if there hasn't been for a long time, but most recently there have been um, incredibly violent acts towards Asians and now there's attention on it. But at least in my experience, this is not surprising to me just because of the casual treatment of Asians that I see constantly throughout my entire life. This is what I've seen. It's just internalized in a lot of people's interactions with others. Um, so my advice to people would be to start to be aware and start to look around and acknowledge when you might be using your privilege to ignore the weight of what you're saying, or you might be using privilege um, and passing it off as just a joke when it's actually something much more serious and sinister than that. Um, and, and just listen to the people around you that are telling you 
um, from their own experiences. Yeah, I definitely agree with Annabelle. And I kind of, I, I challenge people to hold yourself to a higher standard of educating yourself on Asian American culture and Asian culture and everything that we've seen going on lately, but as but also everything that's gone on in the past before it was widely covered in the media. Um, and it's that idea of if you're educating yourself today and teaching yourself about Asian culture today and holding your friends that higher standard as well, then you're able to make a small change in your own personal life that ultimately will impact a larger change that we're trying to make in our society in general. Um, and, and hopefully us holding ourselves to a higher, higher standard and challenging ourselves to educate ourselves more, educate ourselves more and intervene in, in situations of microaggressions or even hate crimes and that small chance that you'll, you'll witness that. Um, it's, it's that hope that you in a few years or in a few decades, there won't be like an Annabelle, Sam and a Katie talking about how all of us experienced that's those same comments when we were little and all of us didn't know how to handle it um, and didn't have somebody else standing up for us, standing up for us, whether that was a peer or a teacher or a parent or something like that. Well, definitely uh, feel the same way. And, and you know, I think um, anytime uh, like the, you know, the escalated acts of violence that Annabelle mentioned, talked a little bit about happen. I don't, I, I personally always feel like helpless. Like what, what could I actually do in those situations? And, and um, I feel like this is one area where, you know, uh, non-Asian people can be allies um, in whether it's standing up in that moment or deferring to a later time, but circling back around to a person if you happen to hear them make a comment and calling them out for it um, privately uh, and, and just, you know, talking through why you think that that was an inappropriate thing to do. All of these things, I feel like, will add up to, um, you know, de de deter people from feeling as though, you know, things like that are okay. Um, but I think this is actually a good point to move on to um, the next big topic, which is also related to this notion of stereotypes and that's the, the model minority myth. Um, so for listeners, um, there's a perception um, of Asian Americans as being a quote, minor model minority um, and the, the, the way in which, uh, you know, this since all the way back to, um, you know, the, the, the big uh, change in terms of, um, of uh, ethnic makeup of, of America um, with uh, the, the quote kind of good stereotypes around um, Asian American uh, like skills, expertise, education, um, you know, a, a lot of different areas that are themselves stereotypes, but used in what I think a lot of people might have seen as a positive manner or reflect positively on Asian Americans, uh, but it comes with itself um, a whole set of other challenges that perpetuate uh, some of the feelings that Asian Americans might have. So, um, you know, does anyone want to speak 
more generally to um, you know how the model model minority myth has has impacted you or people that you know, um, and we can just start there. Yeah, so I can say that like I want to be considered smart before anybody even gets to know me, right? Not necessarily because of my race, because that's like kind of nice for people to just assume that I'm going to be intelligent. Um, but there's definitely something deeper there that's like the assumption that you know somebody just because you can see like what you think might be their racial background. And going into a situation or going into getting to know me or any other Asian or Asian American and thinking that you know what their hobbies are or what they're good at or what they're bad at. Um, and there's definitely something kind of demoralizing and dehumanizing about assuming, taking someone down to just a few characteristics that so many people have uh, just because of their race that you think that you know, but you might not even be 100% sure. And that, that model minority myth, I think is just so deeply ingrained in our, in our culture. And so many people don't even realize that they accept that as the truth about Asians and Asian Americans, um, that it is, it, we see it in like media and things like that. And so often I feel like there's just never any second thought about it because I think so many people see it as a fact. Um, I don't know if Annabelle or Sam have anything else to add about it. Yeah, I think it's also important to take into account that while all of us on this podcast happen to be of East Asian descent um, and like share our experiences that go along with that, there are a bunch of other Asian ethnicities that do not share the same privilege as East Asians might have. And oftentimes South and Southeast Asians, Indians, Middle Easterns are not seen as Asian and tend to experience worse treatment from the general public than like East Asians. Yeah, I think that's a great point. Um, and even being seen as the privileged Asian is kind of not quite the privilege that it, that it comes across as. Um, I think one other point here is that Asian Americans are also called the model minority because they don't speak up against some of these racist comments that we've been talking about, these racial undertones that we face. It's kind of expected that you don't say anything about it, that you kind of just keep your head down and, and just move on with your life. Um, and I think almost the model minority is sort of rewarded to ideal behavior, quote unquote, ideal behavior um, from white, often white people um, for just not challenging it, for, for kind of being quiet and just kind of holding your ground and, and, just, and just working along the system without really being quote unquote too violent or destructive. Um, and it's almost held against other minorities as a way to kind of them against each other. It, it's almost a way too for Asians to be pit against every other minority um, and to cause a divide between what we all experience as minorities in general. Um, even though the, these are all differences that we're facing, we do still experience a lower level of privilege than um, white people. So I think it's also a way to, to another way to kind of siphon people off into separate groups and to identify people 
Katie, like you were saying, just by your appearance. Um, and then Sam, like you were saying, incorrectly even, uh, it's not even a perfect picture of, of the cultures involved. Um, so just overall, it's incredibly ineffective um, as well as, as damaging. Um, so, so switching gears toward, you know, uh, some of the ways that, um, that, that we all feel like, you know, Asian uh, people, characters are portrayed in media, um, you know, how do we start to, or what do we see or not see that um, we, that could start to change some of these things culturally? Um, so that people, you know, don't feel as though like stereotypes um, are, uh, you know, something that they can comment on or that start to change the perception of, you know, the wide range and wide uh, set of personalities that we will find um, exploring, you know, uh, Asian, Asians in America of all different uh, cultural backgrounds. Um, so, uh, Katie, why don't we begin with you? Um, do you have any thoughts um, generally around Asian uh, portrayal in media? Um, and do you think that there is a positive representation or um, issues associated with it? Yeah, I think it's definitely notable to me that I've seen more Asian representation as I've grown up in the media. So like when I was younger, I feel like the only time I saw someone Asian or someone who looked like me in movies or something like that was like Mulan and like Wendy Wu Hong Kong Warrior. Um, and I'm obviously neither of those people, um, although I both wonderful characters. <laughs> um, so seeing other main characters in the, in the media that I take in be Asian as I've gotten older is really great. And I, and I don't, but I don't think that that's like the end all be all. It's also the fact that, I mean, I think one of the most classic um, examples of um, Asian misrepresentation, misrepresentation in the media is when Scarlett Johansson was cast to play an Asian role a few years ago. And it's almost like the initial reaction is like, this is so ridiculous that it's almost funny, but it's also not funny because how did anybody in that room think that, that was okay? Um, but I think that there's, I think that that situation as well as many other situations kind of opened up the discussion of um, how can Asian, Asians and Asian Americans be better represented in American media and, and where is there opportunity for growth, which I don't necessarily consider myself an expert on uh, by any means, but um, yeah, I, I just think that there, there's definitely been a growth in some small scales of Asian representation in mass media as I've gotten older, but definitely, you know, growing up without anybody looking like yourself in movies and things like that, you kind of just don't even know what to associate yourself with and things like that, um, as well as very stereotypical representations of Asians in, in TVs and movies kind of feeding into that model minority myth through feeding into bad stereotypes of Asian Americans and being what so many kids were raised on and so many adults would watch all the time. Um, that definitely feeds into all those stereotypes, good and bad. Yeah. 
Um, I definitely think that the portrayal of Asians is definitely getting better and we're beginning to see movies and mainstream media kind of move away from the stereotype of, you know, the Asian being the nerd or like the exotic. And we're like, we're really beginning to see movies that have made it mean mainstream, like Crazy Rich Asians, um, more recently Minari, and I think Marvel's coming out with Shang-Chi pretty soon. Um, but the aforementioned movies like represent the East Asian experience when also, as I mentioned before with the by, uh, model minority myth that there's also a bunch of other ethnic Asian groups who have different experiences than us and need more representation. Um, and actually did some research and overall Asians comprise of less than 5% of lead roles in film according to a 2017 UCLA study. Um, so there definitely is room for more growth, but that's not saying that like every movie or TV show has to have an Asian, but I do believe that these roles need to continue progressing past the traditional roles portrayed in the past. Um, and I also think that not only does like the film industry have a role, but also education. Um, in my history class, I remember learning about the Japanese internment camps, but they were so briefly mentioned and it was kind of treated as, oh, this happened, but we fixed it and now everything is okay. Um, so I think more attention needs to be brought to these instances that pit um, that were pitted against like a certain race so that people like understand and recognize why certain words and actions are more hurtful than what they seem. Yeah, I think that's a super great point. And when you think about media portrayals, um, I think about how many World War II documentaries are out there that are constantly playing on the History Channel and how little of that ever covers Japanese history especially in America. I just, it's so small, it's so minimal. Um, and then back to just traditional media, name five Asian actors, like off the top of your head. I mean, that's a difficult challenge or name five singers that aren't in a K-pop group. Like, you know, take your time. It, it's really difficult to do actually because there's just not that much representation out there. And while we've come a long way and we're not blatantly committing yellow face in movies anymore, um, it's still coming a long way. And all I see, like all I've seen growing up is people making fun of Asian accents or um, the one Asian on the show being made fun of um, or being a nerd or being the exotic character, just like you said, Sam, I never see positive portrayals and I rarely even see portrayals whatsoever. Um, so it, it definitely needs to come a lot further because maybe all of these experiences we talked about of experiencing microaggressions and not really knowing what to do in those situations, maybe that would have been helped a little bit if we had something to go off of and it didn't feel like our culture doesn't exist at all um, when we just look at media. Um, I think that would really, make a big difference and help people understand and start to recognize the humanity in each of these cultures and, and recognize you as a person and somebody with um, a lot of depth and complexity, which is what movies and songs are out there to do, um, are, are to humanize people and, and share experiences and connections. So I think that would make a huge difference in just how people perceive us in American culture and across the world.
Yeah, definitely. Um, I think as as everyone was talk, talking through that, I started to think about my own like past with portrayals in, in media and, and um, this might date me a little bit if, if none of you know uh, or are familiar with the movie Goonies, The Goonies. Yeah, okay, we've got a couple, we've got a couple of, of nods that makes me feel a little bit better. Um, but yeah, the character Data, right? Um, I think everyone, when I was growing up, you know, found him like lovable and um, just had no concept of how many stereotypes are, are wrapped up in the, the math computer nerd um, of that group of friends, right? Um, but it would be so powerful. Like think about how powerful it would be. Not that, not, I think some purists would say, let's not touch the movie Goonies. But, um, you know, if, if we happen to have like a remake of that or just even something similar, I mean, that, that kind of movie, that, that, that um, framework of movies is like pretty common. To just have, uh, you know, an, an Asian uh, actor or actress like lead, you know, be be the kind of like lead friend in that group, um, and speak nothing of it the entire time, but just have them be the the you know the leader. I think that that would go such a long way to you know normalizing, um, you know, the the real range of personalities and and people uh, who are of Asian descent and just happen to have grown up in America. Yeah, on top of that too, um, I think one other common portrayal is is just stereotypes. So if you think of The Simpsons, Apu, I mean, come on, that's played by a white person, and it's it's just the most ridiculous version of brown face, and that's normalized, and it's a joke, and it's not taken seriously, and it that's your culture, and that's like what you have to go off of, and all Asians, all Asian cultures group together too and, and there's not even individual Asian countries that get portrayed or Asian um, subcultures within Asian countries and it's just one massive clump of just a stereotype if if there's any portrayal whatsoever. Yeah I was also going to add that there are like a lot of places in the U.S. that don't have a big Asian population. And there's also many places around the world that don't have a large Asian population. And if media is portraying Asians in as like, you know, the nerd or I don't know, just, you know, like the exotic, then that's what these people are going to think we are when in fact, you know, there's so much different facets about being Asian. Definitely. Um, I think uh, if it's okay with her, I would like to uh, touch on like the historical context that works. Um, so, you know, along, along these lines, a lot of what we see in terms of media portrayal, a lot of what um, you know, the microaggressions to even the more serious um, acts of violence that are gaining a lot of attention uh, now um, stem from, you know, some amount of structural issues that the U.S. has long had um, among many racial groups, but definitely in injustices specifically um, against Asian people. Um, you know, from the more imperialist era of uh, this country to um, the, the 
ongoing uh, political battles even today, culturally happening between America and um, China in particular, um, but you know also North Korea. Um, a lot of these things can set the tone for the way in which Americans at large um, view Asian culture. Um, so would anyone like to speak to, you know, how you hear about um, Asian uh, culture in the U.S. or how Asian American culture has changed over time in the U.S. Um, and the things that you feel like people should know or uh, the, the background that could be imp impacting the way that um, Asian American life is um, impacted today? Yeah, so I definitely had to do my research on this, but what I found was that what Asians are experiencing is really the fruit of decades of government policy that effectively perpetuate Asians as like a lesser person um, and that we're seen as not American. And there's also even been legislation that has objectified our women. Um, so just to name a few, in the 1854 court case, People versus Hall, it ruled that an Asian couldn't testify in court against a white person, basically setting the stage for Asian violence to go unpunished. And then in 1882, we have the Chinese Exclusion Act that wasn't repealed until 1943. And this act prohibited all Asian, or sorry, all Chinese migrant immigrant workers um, and then in the 1920s, there were Supreme Court decisions which refused to give Japanese and Indian-born men U.S. citizenship. And then we also have the internment of Japanese during World War II, which most of them were actually U.S. citizens. Um, and in 1875, there was something called the Page Act, which prohibited women with quote-unquote lewd and immoral purposes from entering the U.S which is used mostly against Chinese women who were looking to work in the fields. Um, so this is just, you know, just a small portion of American history. And I focus mostly on um, like East Asian, like exclusion acts. Um, but in general, like in present times, we're seeing the culmination of these policies impact not only East Asian lives, but all other facets of Asians um, today. Yeah, I think those are all horrific and important to remember events that have happened against Asian people. Um, I think another couple American highlights that we have are, is when America brought over Chinese workers to build a railroad and then forcibly removed them and sent them back to their country that they had taken them from. Um, or there's the time when America went over to China and got many of its people hooked on opioids and took no responsibility for that and just depleted the country of its resources. Um, we have also the Vietnam and Korean wars and obviously these are tied up into different aspects, but this definitely impacts the perception that Americans have towards Asian countries in general. And this isn't even like you said, this is only speaking towards Eastern countries, um, not even all of Asia, and we, we haven't even touched on Pacific Islanders yet. So I think there's just a huge, huge, horrible history towards Asian cultures and a lack of respect there that 
is just never discussed, at least in my experience. Um, it's, there's very little education around that. And there's very little um, understanding of the impact that it has to this day in people's lives. Um, and even people that might claim to not be racist or not to have these um, uh, judgmental views of other cultures, we still see um, obsession with Asian culture and kind of taking and picking what you want from it without really carrying the burden or looking to understand deeper the struggles and the experiences of the people involved. Um, so it's a really long and on, ongoing relationship that it's just, in my experience, not really talked about. It's just fairly dismissed. Yeah, um, I hear you completely. Um, and I, you know, I think to draw this into the current day, the things that I worry about um, have to do more forward-looking with the current state of foreign affairs. Um, and if, if we need any um, indication, you know, the rise in hate crimes specifically against Asian people, specifically where they were citing um, the coronavirus as one of the motivating factors of hate crimes over the past year, you know, looking even beyond that, just to geopolitical battles between um, the United States and uh, the Chinese government. Um, that certainly concerns me as you know, my wife and I are um, adopting a, a, a child from South Korea and we're going to raise them in, in this environment. Um, so the, I, I'm, I'm curious to know, does anyone feel that same fear that I have um, of how the kind of, you know, political patriotism at large could end up uh, impacting the way in which people feel um, and, and act um, moving forward? Yeah, I honestly never really thought about how the current dynamic between the US and other Asian countries can affect us today. Um, but I have been hearing more of the stereotype that like all Chinese people are like communist lovers when that is not the case. I mean, there's a reason why a lot of Asians fled from communist China um, or even, you know, Koreans, like they'll also hear like, oh, you know, you're also like a communist lover because of North Korea when also like a lot of Koreans are from actually South Korea. Yeah, one thing I fear is that things are getting worse and not better. And maybe things are getting worse before they get better. But as of right now, it seems like what I see is, is a more and more normalized version of some of these outspoken claims against Asian and Asian culture. Um, and maybe this is a longer discussion about um, the polarization that maybe the country's headed towards in general, but I just see less and less respect and I don't see people really speaking up for Asians like we mentioned. So what I fear for the future of America is when we have a public figure that's our president making comments that blame a global pandemic on one culture. It just doesn't seem like a positive place for people to be heard or listened to or um, stood up for. So to me, that's a negative trend. And to me, that's a big problem. Um, 
that I don't necessarily know the solution to. I just think that there's a lot of lack of understanding um, around the culture already, it, but now it's becoming more blatantly obvious with wide sweeping claims um, against entire groups and countries of people. Yeah, I mean, maybe it's just as simple as, you know, uh, treating your fellow Americans like Americans and not as though they're, you know, avatars of a culture that they don't necessarily have any um, uh, affiliation with um, from like a political point of view, uh, it seems to me to be the the first and easiest uh, thing, um, and and know that you know the the great things that come with Chinese culture, with Korean culture, with um, Indian or Pakistani culture um, that are the 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 thing that makes up the melting pot that is America. Um, all the positives have nothing to do necessarily with the politics. And if people have a political point of view. You can ask them about a political point of view and not necessarily make those types of associations or assumptions. Um, probably easier said than done, but um, you know, starting starting with you know knowing that people are Americans regardless of how they look, I think is um, you know one one way to to change it. Um, Sam, I don't know if you wanted to jump back in or we should. This this seems like a good point where we're starting to talk more about things that um, can be different. Um, so, you know, we've talked a lot of, of uh, about areas where we see issues, and I know, Annabelle, I share your concern about the future, but let's flip, them, let's flip that on its head. Um, are there things that this group feels like um, are maybe solutions or um, steps that, that can be taken, whether they're on a broad scale or a localized scale, on um, some of the, the areas that we've looked at, microaggressions, political, um, you know, politics, um, uh, media, that sort of stuff. I think the first step, just like any type of growth, is to really question yourself and question what your thinking is um, to get to a point where maybe you can identify a problem uh, because I don't think the issue is always so obvious um, as it never is. I think you have to really question your interactions with other people, the media you're consuming, um, the products you use, um, and any of the perceptions that you hold just on your own, and really dig into those and, and think about where they come from and think about if they're true or not, or if you've actually sat down with another person and discussed with them um, these concepts, or if you've kind of built them on your own over time, um, I think that's the first step is just to understand what you're bringing to the table. And then I think the next thing is, is to really seek to understand people in general. I don't think this is just an Asian thing. I think you need to look to understand every person you're coming into contact with um, and, and listen to their experiences and listen to what they're telling you about challenges they face or, you know, helping you unlearn um, maybe perceptions that you had previously. And I think that's the next thing that you can do. And, and along with that, using education and knowledge as a way to understand some of these historic roots that we've talked about. 
and also understand an idea of a roadmap of where to go. If you can learn from what's worked well in the past and, and apply it to your day-to-day -day life or your future efforts, then you're gonna be in a much better place than just blindly living your life the way you are. So I, I don't know that there's a clean and easy solution, but I think it just starts by looking at yourself and then using as much education as you can and real life experiences from people around you um, to guide the next decisions that you make. Yeah, um, Annabelle basically touched on it, but I really just think you just need exposure, whether this be by the right movies, um, like foods, just take the time to learn about the history of Asians, because I think this also might help identify when you may have notions of like Asian stereotypes and it may help you be able to identify when you're thinking this way. Awesome. Um, any uh, anything that people you know uh, you feel like people should know about um, you know the Asian American experience that we haven't covered or things that you might uh, challenge your your coworkers um, in particular to to do uh, to help to prevent um, any kind of anti Asian behavior experiences. I think aside from what we've already said, um, do your research and understand the world around you is what I would say. I would, I would look into things deeper um, and yeah, pay attention to how you're treating other people and try to get the exposure that you need to learn about different cultures. Um, and if you don't have that exposure, I, I think maybe you shouldn't be commenting on that culture then. I think the only other thing I have to add is, I think, kind of general advice about educating yourself on anything, but like not like going into it with an with the idea that you want to educate yourself and not beating yourself up for maybe some racist stereotypes that you accepted as truth in the past or times when you could have intervened during a microaggression in the past, but rather because in that situation, like if you're beating yourself up for it, you're not going to accept like how it might have impacted other people, the other people involved in it. And you're not gonna be able to truly make a change from it. Just accepting that that's something that happened and recognizing that there are moves that you can make in order to educate yourself and prevent that from happening again and helping yourself, helping you become somebody who can educate other people and who can, who can make sure that the people that you surround yourself are of that, of that same mindset as well. Yeah, my advice is, I guess, pretty simple. Recognize that Asians are people and we're people with individual feelings, thoughts, um, like skills, experiences. And Asian Americans are honestly just Americans. We're not that different from you besides honestly, just how we look, I guess. Yeah. Um, I know from, for me personally, uh, when, if I were to experience, you know, a joke or something small to big, um, the thing that worries me the most about how I might uh, step in is not having uh, the tools or the, you know, um, information that helps me to feel confident that I'm, I'm doing the right thing, right? Um, 
So I think it was um, Miranda originally who posted, Miranda Chapman um, on our team who posted about um, bystander uh, intervention resources from, uh, there's an organization called Hollaback that's been doing a lot of great work and doing free um, trainings actually on this subject, but there's also um, a great resource that has um, just a breakdown of different ways that you can uh, help to, to intervene, whether it's something like big, like something violence or harassment that you're experiencing all the way down to, you know, the, the, the microaggressions that we talked about that um, you, you may, may be more common to experience. So um, maybe we'll post that in the show notes, links to that stuff. Um, and make sure that people have something that they can explore themselves and then feel a lot more empowered and confident about being able to um, to, to intervene. Yeah. yeah right. and if anyone has any like questions about like the Asian experience or if they're doing the right thing, like my door is open metaphorically because you know we're online. but um, <laughs> if you have any questions, like feel free to reach out. I'm more than happy to provide some insight. It's awesome. Thank you, Sam. Okay. I think uh, we're going to call that a wrap. Um, I want to thank Annabelle, Sam, and Katie for spending uh, time with us and uh, you know, pouring their hearts out in terms of their experience personally. It takes a lot to do that. Um, but hopefully this has been, you know, a, a worthwhile uh, time for everybody um, and can help to inform how folks at Metric Theory can, um, can, can help to, to stamp out uh, Asian hate. So thank you everyone for joining and we'll see you next time on What's Your Theory? <laughs>